Good morning, everyone. Um, like Joel mentioned, we do want to say a happy Mother's Day to our community and thankful for each one who mothers and bears witness um, to God's mothering presence with us um, throughout our lives. But even today, we, we especially highlight that. Um, who's got the clicker that I need to steal it from? Matthew, thank you. You got lunch plans on your mind. You got, you know, gatherings on your mind, maybe. You got all kinds of things on your mind right now. I invite you to, to focus in with me on this scripture passage for our last, our last um, sermon on knowing Jesus in a new way. Um, oh, uh-oh. Can you reboot the slideshow, Jay? I don't think my slides got in there, and that would not be good. Let me read our passage for us. Um, it's from Matthew chapter 28. I'll invite you to stand while I read this. And this is our last passage um, looking at a stories when Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection. Um, Matthew 28 reads this way, the last verses of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the very end of the age. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, we, uh... oh yeah, we're good. Thank you, Jay. Um, this is kind of one of the lines we've been lurking with in this series, that in this season, and this is a line from Godly Play, the disciples' minds were, were, were stretching and stretching and stretching to be big enough to know Jesus in this new way, uh, as they engaged with the, the risen Christ in these stories. Um, and this is the passage that I just read, and I want to point out to you a couple things. One, they're on this mountain. So we have this context of mountain, which a lot of good things in the scriptures happen on mountains. Perhaps in your own lives, you've had moments on mountains that were meaningful um, or special for you. Um, not only are they on a mountain, but they're worshiping God and some are doubting. All are welcome um, in this moment at the end of the gospel. Those who worship, those who doubt, those who do both. Um, and Jesus comes to them and he speaks to them and he names the authority that he has um, and he gives some, ver or some, some imperatives, some commands. He says, go. He says, make disciples of all nations. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach them to obey or to listen towards everything that I've commanded you. And then he says, look. I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. And the godly play story that the kids are working with today ends with this description. 
And I want us to think about this as we, as we talk about this passage. What did he mean? And as they walked back south to Jerusalem, the disciples knew they had been followers. Now they were to be leaders. They had been sheep. Now they were to be shepherds. They had come home for the last time. Now they were to make a home for others. I love that invitation for all of us to think about. Um, knowing Jesus in a new way puts us in a space of being and doing um, where we're invited to open up space um, and guide others. And so the question I've been thinking about is, like, what, what world, are, like, to whom are we sent? To whom are we the ones who are to go and to make disciples and to teach and to baptize? Um, because the world that we're sent to is also the world that we're a part of um, and, can, and can help us understand ourselves, too, um, and, the, and the being that God has called us to. There's a, a new report out um, by, this, by this man. This is Vivek Murthy. He is the U.S. Surgeon General. Um, there's other pictures online of him in like full military garb. Um, and he is kind of like the head doctor of our country. Um, formal position of leadership. This is his wife, Alice Chen, who if you look her up, she has quite a resume too, leading like national doctor's boards and they met, presumably, in Yale, at Yale. Anyways, smart, smart people. Um, and Vivek Murthy came out with a Surgeon General's um, advisory on what he calls the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in our country. So to whom are we sent? To, who, to whom are we? This, this is us. Um, and I want to think about, I'm going I'm to share with you some of the information here. It's stuff that we've actually talked about over the last few months. But seeing this come out, seeing all these different interviews he's been doing, I want to share a little bit about it because this is who we are. This is feelings we have. And it's also the feelings and the realities of people that God has called us as followers of Christ to go to and to shepherd and to lead and to make home for and space for. Um, he says that something bigger and deeper is happening in our country, more so than like what inflation would cause or even what a pandemic would cause. Um, and he gives four kind of aspects to what's going on that I think are important. We're going to focus on the last one, but I think the first three are worth noting. One, he, he talks about how we can't overlook this extraordinary pace of change that we are living through. And for those of you who are younger, it may not feel that as much like that. Like you're just kind of, you were born into this world and, and you're experiencing it. But like I was talking with, with my, well, with Ari the other day, or with, actually it was with my mom. And I didn't get my first cell phone until I was like 25 years old. So like how many people under the age of 18 don't have a cell phone in this space? Anyone? Right? That, and, and just think about like, how important our phones are to us. Those people in this room that didn't get their first cell phone until they were age 25 or, dare I say, older, right? 
the world has changed incredibly. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes change that is good and helpful is also still change and can be sad, right? Um, so good to see Anna here and Caleb here. And the change of their lives into college over the last few years has also been sad um, and, and an adjustment for at least their parents. Um, more to come. The second thing he talks about is that the information environment we're surrounded by is profoundly negative. No matter which news you listen to, the information that is at our fingertips and that quickly gets to us is profoundly negative. And that has effects on us. Um, and it can lead us to thinking, man, everything in the world is broken. Like, this whole world is just a big mess because we're constantly bombarded with these messages. The third thing that he says is that our dialogue is damaged. That we... And, and I know I'm saying things that many of you are like, yeah, I'm not trying to like, give you information here. I'm trying to just kind of name the space, right? Um, it is really challenging to talk to people about meaningful and important things because we're worried about what we're going to say. We're worried about if we're going to say it right. We're worried about who's in the room with us and how they're going to kind of judge or, or understand what we say. Because we're not in a space where we're really very often looking to understand people's intentions as much as we're being trained over and over to, understand, to, to look like for people to use the right words or to have the right opinions. And, and coming at dialogue with a hope to understand people's intentions is a whole different way of approaching it. And what's really hard is that when the world um, is, 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 is so challenging, what we need most is to talk about it. What we need most is to process it, to be honest about our feelings. And yet we, here we are in a space that we're afraid and we're afraid to to say things right. And so we don't, it's challenging to find the spaces to do that. And then finally, the fourth aspect um, is this epidemic that he writes about. And that is that loneliness and isolation um, is growing to the scale of an epidemic or a public health threat. Um, more than half of Americans feel lonely. Um, numbers of, of are higher of reporting of feeling loneliness, of feeling lonely um, by young people. Um, and there's all kinds of depressing stats that I could give you right now, but I'm not going to do that for time. But it's, it's troubling. Um, and it's connected to all kinds of physical as well as mental health challenges. And so we put this all together, and it's, and it's a recipe for despair, right? It's a recipe for challenge. And Murphy goes on to say that if we want to break this cycle and reclaim lives full of joy and fulfillment, we have to rebuild our ability for connection with one another. This is one of the great challenges that we need to undertake in the years ahead. And I thought, wow, what a, what a great frame to think about. What does it mean to, to go? as disciples of Christ. 
What does it mean to make disciples? To baptize people into the way of God. Um, to teach them Jesus' commands. I wonder if you have some of Jesus' commands popping into your head right now that might connect with this invitation. Um, what does it mean to, to, when Jesus says, look, look around. I will be with you always. Um, Feeling lonely is a desire for connection that you don't have. It's a big, it's a big definition, but I think it's a helpful one. Um, any kind of connection you'd like that you don't have, if you, if you don't get that, you can feel lonely. Um, and loneliness is, is not just a... It, it's connected to kind of like our deepest DNA. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth noting. Like modern societies are, are built... To, to form kind of like independent individuals, right? But like, and Murphy notes this too, as well as Stolberg who, who, anyways. What happened to individuals thousands of years ago that were independent? An individual. They died. They became prey, right? They, they were like the low people in the food chain. Um, and now we've got this society that's built to encourage and honor independence and yet our nervous systems are, are the same as they were thousands of years ago. And so when you feel lonely, you feel it deep in your bones and in your DNA. Um, think about if you're hungry, your body tells you you have need for food, for survival. If you're thirsty, your body tells you you have need for something to drink, hopefully water, um, for survival. Um, I think it's helpful to think about loneliness in that way. When you're lonely, your body is telling you you have need for connection, for, for survival. It's a survival feeling. Um, when others who we see who are experiencing loneliness, they're feeling that. They're feeling hungry. They're feeling thirsty. They're, they're, they're feeling things that are deep. Um, and so when we're connected to others, we not only feel good, but we feel secure. When we're isolated from others, we not only feel bad, but we feel insecure. And then this has all kinds of ramifications for our health, for the way we work at work, for the way we we're engaged at school, um, for civic engagement. Um, violence is an aspect of this. People are in a good place, in a, in a place of well-being. Don't respond in violence. It's people who are feeling lonely. It's people who are, are a part of this, this epidemic that we're facing. So what does it mean to be leaders, to be shepherds, to be people who make a home as a community um, following Christ in a world like this, a world that we're a part of and we feel also, that we experience also? Um, At the beginning of the, or the end of the passage, Jesus says, and I want to start here. Jesus says, look. Open your eyes. And, and Jesus says, look, because he will be with us always until the very end of the age. God is a God that is with all, is for all period. 
any sense of going and making and baptizing and teaching starts with the fundamental acknowledgement, conviction that the God who has created the world and who loves the world is always with us, always for us, always with those who may not feel it, always for those who we may struggle to understand. Um, The very character of who God is and who calls us to go and to send and to do these things is one who is always with and for The, the second kind of imperative that I want to point out is, is this baptizing. And, and we do this around here. Um, in fact, I was with the, the youth uh, last Sunday night. There was a few of us hanging out with the youth, listening to them. And at the very beginning of the time, Jen Hicks, who is a wizard at getting people to share, by the way. I didn't know this about her, but I, I, I bore witness to it last Sunday. Um, she asked the students to name aspects of our church. And I was so happy. Like, they named a lot of things you'd expect. Game nights, zombie nights, you know, things like that that are important. But they also named doxology, and they named baptism. Um, And whenever we think about baptism, I I want us to think about that it's done in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we've, we've talked about this before, but whenever we see those three words together, there's an invitation there for us to remember that God is a social God, that at the very identity of who God is, there is relationship. And not only is there relationship, but many theologians suggest and say there is dance. That at the very core of who God is, is dancing. Um, This is a picture of a group of senior adults doing the electric slide. Um, What do we love about the electric slide? Quickly. Come on, I've seen you people do the electric slide. What is, what is beautiful about the electric slide? It's easy, right? You don't, you don't need a partner, and yet you're caught up with all sorts of partners, right? At the same time. What else? It's fun. Other things. There's a lot of freedom in it, right? If I'm just kind of doing something, then I'm, I'm looking all right, right? Even I can get involved in the electric slide. And I'll leave it up to you, but I, I don't think I'm a horrible electric slider. I would, I would probably say I'm a horrible other things. And the electric slide has this way of just growing at a party, right? It starts with a few people who want to go for it, and then it just begins to grow. And it's this dance that anyone is welcome into and to become a part of. So the God who calls us to go... To make disciples is a God whose very DNA is relational, is a dance that welcomes people into it. And that's who we're baptized into. Cue the music, Jay, after church. All right. Um, if, I, if I could give you a pill today... I could give you a pill. But if I could give you a pill that would improve your health, make you feel better, improve your performance at work or at school, make you happier, and even boost your immunity, 
I know all of you and well enough to know that 99% of you would you'd be down, right? If not, maybe like Dotella or, or uh, what, what's the, uh, do, Doterra, thank you, yeah. I think I mixed up Nutella and Dotella there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nutella. There's, I, I'm going to patent that one. Um, in this report, social connection, social connection is that pill. Immunities boosts. You feel better. You have more energy. Um, and again, it doesn't mean a big, massive party. It, we're just talking about social connection. Um, and it makes sense when we think about the very nature of who God is, 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 is a God who has sociality built into God's very existence. Um, the next imperative is this one of go. And Jesus is saying this to the disciples together. Um, they were to go together to each other. We are a part of this world that God loves, that is experiencing these things that we've talked about. So the call is to get involved in this dance of God and to go together to one another. Um, it's, a, it's a puzzle how we've got here, right? How we've evolved in such a way that we desperately need connection and yet we feel so completely disconnected. And part of the puzzle um, is that we've had this sense that it's the individual's responsibility to figure out their loneliness. Because that's the society that we've built that, that really honors the individual. Um, but the problem with that um, is that in reality it's a collective responsibility. As social creatures, we have to help one another find ways to connect. Um, if you're feeling hungry, if you're feeling thirsty, is there a sense of like, go get food? Yeah. We all need to be empowered and have agency that when we're feeling lonely and we're feeling disconnected, there's an invitation to like, hey, I, I've got to connect with some people here. There's some new thing called the eight-minute phone call. Have you heard of the eight-minute phone call? This idea that you call someone that you don't live with on the regular, maybe daily, and just have an eight-minute conversation. Um, and what that does is it reminds you that the, the sphere of people who care for you is much bigger than you can sometimes think if you just are, are locked in with the people you live with or with the people you're working with. Um, but it speaks to the reality. We need to help one another with this. We need to go together. Um, we can't leave this up to individuals to figure out. And, 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 and what that also speaks to, I think, is what Henry Nowen talks about a lot, is that if we're going to go together to one another, it, it's the reality is we're going as wounded healers because we feel this. It's not like we've got this all figured out and we're going to go, like, change everything for everybody else, Right? This is a reality that everyone is touched by. Um, and so what that means is lonely people are going to have to reach out 
to other lonely people. But we're going to need to do it together. People who are sad are going to have to have moments where I'm, I'm going to reach out to someone else who's sad. Because we, we all feel sad at times. And it's going to take people who are not feeling sad or lonely at a given time and are feeling great about their lives and their connections to open up those connections to other people. To remember the time they felt lonely or sad and to invite others into those relationships. Um, I think this is, no, two more. The next one is make disciples. Um, make disciples of Jesus. Make people who love God, love neighbors as they love themselves, um, who are a part of communities, who encourage and do the same. Um, it reminds me of the book Strength to Love by Martin Luther King Jr. Um, there's a sermon in this book called Strength to Love, but so many of the themes in this book speak to the, 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 the kind of strength that, and fundamental strength that love is in the world. Um, and Murthy says in this report, our greatest sense of strength doesn't come from power, doesn't come from money, doesn't come from fame. Our greatest sense of strength comes from our fundamental ability to give and receive love. This is a government agent saying this. Um, there is no force more powerful than love, he says. Um, make disciples. Tell a better story about Jesus than the one being told in the world right now. Um, he goes on, he says, I, I don't want to live in a world where my son needs to feel ashamed to express and receive love. I don't want to live in a world where my sons don't feel confident to express and receive love. And then he goes on to talk about how we need to cultivate this um, through our social structures in our communities. Yesterday, our adult formation team met, I think right here at the building, and worked hard to renew, spark, kind of sustain structures we have in place here in this community um, for social connection and for love to be cultivated and grown. Um, Every announcement you hear of stuff going on are, 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 are someone's heart for creating a space just like this. Um, and there's plenty. You can't do all of them, right? You, you'll, you'll, you'll run yourself ragged if you do. Um, but there are spaces being created because we long and we want as a community to be a place where connection can happen. Um, Another kind of reality that we've talked about before, I didn't see Murthy mention this, but Megan has mentioned this in her work, others. It's important to remember that not only do individuals need social connection in relationships, relationships need social connection in relationships. Um, my friendship with one of you 
um, benefits when I have a friendship with not only one of you, but more of you. Um, and my friendship with one of you will grow if we are surrounded by other friendships of love and support. I heard there was like 15 people playing poker last night for the Boys and Girls Club fundraiser. Um, I heard Janine Samuelian did quite well in the poker tournament. Um, an example of people coming together for social connection. Um, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spaces um, for love and connection. Not only do our friendships need relational support, our relationships with our own kids need relational support. Our relationship with our spouses need relationships with other people to support us in those commitments and in those covenants. Um, Make disciples of Jesus. Make disciples of the one who taught us to love God, to love others as we love ourselves. Um, and then finally, um, Jesus says to them, teach them to obey, to listen towards what I've commanded you. I think about these commands that I just mentioned. I wonder if, I wonder if you have commands of Jesus that come to your mind. Um, a command that Sabbath is made for humanity, not humanity for Sabbath. That rest, gathering for worship, um, is made for our well-being. It's built into the rhythms that we're, we're invited into. Welcome back. Um, I wonder what other teachings Jesus might have for us that, that invite us to listen um, toward this. Um, perfect timing, actually. I already mentioned the being involved in the youth gathering last Sunday, but I wanted to highlight one other piece, and it's great to have the youth with us when we do that. So we had this gathering of, uh, with the youth last week where we just want to listen to them, hear their heart. Um, hear kind of ways they feel like they are connecting with the larger body, and maybe ways they long to connect with the larger body. Um, and two things really stood out to me that I think really connects with what we're talking about today. Number one is they generally love our church. At least they told us that that night, which was awesome. Um, that's not number one. That's just a great thing. Number one was they, they noted that they really feel connected when we have intergenerational opportunities to come together. Um, and so we're going to the beach next Sunday. Everybody be ready. We're going to the beach. Um, it's an intergenerational opportunity um, to have social connection and to, to connect with one another. Um, gathering for worship is an opportunity to do that. They talked about the potlucks um, or park lunches. And so we're going to get a few of those organized for this summer coming out of that um, last Sunday. But they named the, the reality and, and the power of that for them, which I, I, I just loved. I mean, they named a lot of things that were awesome, and we'll be sharing more and more about that. But um, The second thing that, that really caught my attention um, was, was kind of a tangential conversation, but there's no such thing as tangents, right? Like, the important stuff comes up when we, when we go on these. And they talked about the challenge they have which is a challenge that I have such respect for. Um, when engaging 
friends who aren't a part of Mountainside or aren't a part of church, um, and not really knowing how to talk with them about faith. And they articulated this in the sense that the reputation of Christian churches in our context is not always real strong. And so they don't know how to engage in those conversations um, because it feels like such a big hurdle to get over um, to have meaningful conversation with their friends. How many adults can relate with, with, with this, this, this challenge? Amen. Um, a couple things were really striking for me. One, right afterwards, Jake and Brayden and I were kind of talking, and both Brayden and Jake, just with real empathy, just like, wow, this is such a different context than what I grew up in. Like, talking to people about church life and faith was not near as challenging for them. Um, as, as it seemed to be expressed in our, in our youth group. And it speaks to the, just the much different context that we live in. But what was so beautiful is that the youth had these great ideas about how maybe to kind of go at that. And it was everything we've been talking about. Can we have more gatherings where we just come together and spend time with one another? Can we have some more gatherings um, where people of all ages come and we do music or we have food or we go to the park or we do things that don't require a big hurdle? They didn't use this word, but I'll use it, of religiosity. Um, uh, and we can connect. And as I thought about this passage, I thought about this report that we looked at, like, that is the heart of evangelism today. That is the heart of an, a longing to go and to make disciples and to teach. It's how do we, how do we connect in a way that really speaks to the longings um, that people have. 